Tonight on the Fanatic Forum, we've got a very special guest, artist, animator, educator, Solo Perry is on here. So we're going to meet him, talk about his career and his uh, art school that he's got going. you got to hear all about this. Plus, we've got some new comics to show off here, and plus any kind of geek talk that comes up. We'll do that right after this. Happy Friday and welcome to Fanatic Forum. I'm your fanatic and host, George Bueller. Uh, we got a good one for y'all folks here. Uh, my new friend, Solo Perry. Uh, we're going to introduce you guys to him in just a little bit here. Uh, and he is awesome. An artist, animator, educator, uh, and all around squall guy. <laughs> of course, we got some new comics to show off here. Uh, plus, lots of other geek things got dropped on us today here. Uh, of course, we had a... a Three different trailers, uh, thanks to the Brazil Comic-Con, uh, were dropped on us this week. A new Transformers movie, which actually looks really good. Uh, Guardians 3, Indiana Jones. So anybody has any comments about those, I'm definitely welcome to hear about those. Because uh, I've got my own takes on those as well. Uh, anywho, so enough about all this stuff. Let's bring on our guest here, our new friend here. He's, like I said, an artist, an animator, an educator, a police officer, a husband, a father. I mean, he's he's a little bit of everything here. Solo Perry, come on down, sir. How you doing? <laughs> hey, George. How's it going, brother? How you how you doing tonight? Uh, it's great, man. Yeah, good to have you on here, sir. Glad to be uh, here. So, yeah, of course, like I said, I, you know, you are kind of a little bit of everything here because uh, like you, uh, are, you are an artist, you're an animator, but uh, more importantly, you're an educator as well. So uh, a big passion project for you is your art school. Uh, let me bring up the logo here, the Kapow Comic Art Academy. I love this logo. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it just, just, just slams right in there. So. <laughs> uh, so yeah, tell us a little bit about it here, just real quick. Say that one more time. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, the Art Academy here, real quick. Uh, Kapow, we actually started officially. Uh, we opened up uh, last year. We're in, we're in our second year uh, this mm -hmm. year. Um, but I actually started Kapow 10 years ago while I was oh, wow. still in law enforcement. Um, uh, an acquaintance of mine. Uh, invited me over for dinner. He had just started teaching at a, a reputable comic art school that has a, a worldwide reputation. He was like, me and Solo could do this. And, uh, well, fortunately, you know, when you give me an idea, I have, uh, I have no off switch, especially if I think it's a good one and anything at the time that could get me out of law enforcement and into my, into my, my, my preferred lane. Uh, mm -hmm. So I started teaching locally at libraries and at uh, park districts just to kind of see the um, viability of it. Nice. And um, the response was incredible. But lugging all that stuff, lugging around comics and paper and pencils became a little uh, 
a little arduous. <laughs> and so uh, I started exploring the online art option. You know, someone said, well, try online education. And so that's been, man, that's been a master journey all its own, just learning what it took to do an online school. Awesome. Yeah. I, of course, I, I imagine that is a big undertaking, but yeah, it's great though that you're able to, you know, reach out, uh, you know, to, you know, potential students, whatnot, people who, you know, maybe even never thought they could get into, uh, you know, the, you know, whether it be, you know, animation or comics or whatever else. Because, uh, you know, you, you've said yourself when I met you, like, you know, I can teach you to draw if you have zero, well, you think you have zero art talent, I can Absolutely. teach you. Absolutely. Yeah. What most people don't understand is that drawing, is a taught skill, just like anything else, right? Mm -hmm. It's 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 a learned, uh, it's it's a learned skill. It's not gift based. It's it's information based. And yeah. once you kind of demystify it, you know, oftentimes there's this misconception that it's all about talent, and and, and really it isn't. You know, most things, uh, especially when it comes to the comic craft, they're formulaic. You know, and once you learn the the basics, you just start building upon it. You know, and right. so I, I kind of like to simplify it, you know, like I say, if you can't teach it to a to a child then you shouldn't be teaching it at all. You know, and fortunately, <laughs> I have, I, you know, have several children. And so I had a lot yeah. of practice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. We're definitely going to talk more about this, uh, but I'll bring up the uh, banner here once more. So if you want to know more information about this, of course, after we get done talking here, you guys can look this up here. But kapowschool.com, find out more information or even enroll yourself. So there you go. Absolutely. All right. So uh, every week on the Fanatic Forum here, of course, uh, we you know open up the floor for discussion for you know any kind of geek topics, uh, anything else. Uh, of course, right at the top of the show, I mentioned we got a bunch of trailers dropped on us this week. You get to uh, see any of those that came out for the Brazil Comic Con? I I got to see um, the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Nice. That's the only one I got a chance to see. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with the other ones that dropped. What other ones dropped? Uh, a t uh, our first kind of look at Indy 5, uh, mm -hmm. which was, I don't know, it didn't get me as hyped as I thought it would. So I'm mm -hmm. kind of hoping maybe a full trailer kind of give us a little bit more of a clue about what's going on. But it, was, it was a little more of a teaser. It was less than two minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one is, uh, I guess, it's Transformers 7. Uh, but this uh, was Rise of the Beasts, and it's introducing uh, the Maximals and the Predacons. You're all in my childhood. So, yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> I'm going to be pulling that one up soon as we're done. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I will say that um, kind of taking in line from the last Bumblebee movie, which I mm -hmm. thought was a vast improvement on the franchise. Uh, it seems to be kind of in line with this because like RC comes back and she looks like RC. What? Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And there's and there and, and, and one other at least one other retro Autobot that we haven't seen in the movies pops up. Uh, I, I'll, I'll just leave that as a tease for you, but oh it's pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, like I say, I, I was kind of frustrated with the Michael Bay movies, um, you know, because again, they were just. I don't care for his photography sometimes too much. Mm -hmm. of the quick cuts. I'm like, man, you're dealing with like 50 tall foot tall robots. Let's let's pan that camera back a little bit. Let's let them breathe. Like all the cuts and all the lens flares, and you know. <laughs> No, sure. <laughs> you know, the only one of those I really enjoyed from a cinematography uh, aspect was the third one because they had to shoot that for 3D. Right. So right. therefore, you couldn't do all that stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. it would ruin the 3D effects. Like, ha, they gotcha. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, but, uh, but Bumblebee, on the other hand, is probably, in my opinion, the best in the entire franchise. Um, 
because it feels like a Transformers movie. Yeah. You know, Bumblebee looks like Bumblebee. It's yeah. fun. You like the you know, Haley Steinfeld is in it and plays you know the you know the kind of the human cast basically. You like her. Um, it takes place in the eighties, so it has that retro feel mm -hmm. to it. So I just it's. It just, it's perfect, in my opinion. So I'd agree with I'm that. Glad no argument here. No argument here. Yeah, I'm glad they're taking a, uh, you know, a page from that and going that direction because even like Optimus looks more like Optimus. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the movie, so they they definitely went back with the retro designs. But yeah, the designs on the Maximals, the Predacons. Can't wait to check that out. Can't yeah. Wait to check that out. Uh, we got a couple comments already popping up here. So Michael Davis uh, is saying awesome. So. Good to see you, Michael. Glad you're enjoying things here. John Pike is saying hello and happy birthday to you, Johnny. He just uh, had a birthday yesterday. Ooh, so. Happy birthday, bro. Yeah. Uh, our friend Clinton on here. Good to see you, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> He's saying the Transformers were too complicated when they transformed. They yes, we were talking about that. They were, it was uh, nonsensical. Yeah. You couldn't follow the transformation, which kind of ruins it. You know what I mean? It was very nonsensical. Things that literally like disappeared, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, because I, I, I hate when uh, our, they, I can't remember which one it was they put RC in in one of the earlier Transformers movies, and she looked more like you know what people make the like, aluminum yard art. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, yeah, it looked like that just painted pink, and like that doesn't look like RC. And but yeah, when you when you see this trailer for Rise of the Be Rise of the Beasts, you will be pleasantly oh, surprised. Exciting, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Got some books I want to talk about this week here. So um, DC got killed it this week. So I'm going to start with them here. Had some fun with them. Um, first off, for some retro fun here, and I'll make us all feel old. The Wildstorm 30th anniversary special came out. Wow. So that's right. Wildstorm is 30 years old. So 30 like, years old. Oh, oh my gosh. Stop it. My hip. My hip. <laughs> you know, I got an artificial one, so you know I'm really feeling it. So. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't oh have your official one yet, so I'm. Still John Boy's in that one, isn't he? My my buddy, John Boy's in that one, isn't he? John, um, I think he's in that 30th I, anniversary one with the uh, Zealot. Oh, no, hang on, yes, he sure is. He sure is. Hang on, I I didn't. Even, I don't even how know how I know that. Yeah, there he is, right here. There he is. That's my guy. Yeah, he's got he's got the Zealot uh, storyline yeah. on here. Yeah, so that means now I got to go out and buy at least three copies. Yeah. Well, and see, you got a bunch of variant covers too. Like this is the lead yeah. cover that you know Jim Lee. Yep. The, of all hail. All uh, one of my favorites on here, Lee Bermejo doing oh Death Blow. Bow yeah. in the knee, kiss the ring. I definitely do. Yeah, I yeah. I, I love Lisa Bermejo. Oh, my uh, but what's yeah. not to love? What's not to love? Lee Bermejo is a modern day master. So. And, and I don't know if you uh, saw this or not in stores, but uh, he had a. Uh, Big one of those like black label, you know, big, you know, magazine mm -hmm. size books come out. Dear Detective, did you see that? I did see that. I did. See that, that was awesome. Because uh, yeah, you know, some of the detective comic stories that he did the B covers for, mm -hmm. I didn't end up picking those up. I'm like, man, those covers are great. Beautiful. And so, like, I had this little secret hope, like, man, I wish one day he just released a bunch of his covers like an art book. Wouldn't that be great? And he did better than that. He did better than that. Yeah, because Dear Detective is essentially an art book with a storyline. Really? Oh yeah, he basically took all those covers he did for Detective Comics over the last year and change mm -hmm. and 
basically kind of put a little bit of text. There's like um, kind of like a very Zodiac sort of method where uh, somebody's writing letters to Batman, kind mm -hmm. of taunting mm -hmm. him, mm -hmm. you know, come find me sort of thing like that. Yeah. And there's even like a little bit of code in there. So when you get to the last page, the author reveals who, who it is, but you have to use the code throughout the other letters to figure out the name. Like, like but, a cipher. Yeah. Oh, that's kind yeah, of cool. Exactly. Yeah, oh, I mean, it, it's it's totally worth getting because you get all those Bermejo covers and you get a little bit of a storyline and a little bit of detective work. I might have to spend some money. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, this is totally worth getting because uh, you got a lot of great kind of uh, remember this character sort of mm -hmm. storylines, but you also get a lot of other storylines of reincorporating Wildstorm characters into the DC universe proper. Mm, uh, we, are, we already know the Wildcats are in here, but there's basically uh, a new Stormwatch is coming. Oh, wow. um, apparently, uh, Deathblow is no longer just a guy. He's more of a program. Uh, so basically, there can be multiple assassins that IO puts out. Oh, wow. So it's uh, a government program. Yeah. Because oh, basically, wow. I, essentially, you know, when Deathblow got his powers, he was still working with the Team 7 back in the Right. Uh, Team 7 with Drifter and all the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when he got his powers, it, he was essentially working for IO anyway. So he, they just didn't know it at the time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so that was that was of course in the kind. I mean, I'm I love the whole Death Blow series and a lot of that Team Seven you stuff. I so. never read it. I never read it. I never read the. Death uh, yeah, I was, I'm big up on the mythology and that stuff. So okay. I got that was uh, that was aside from Wildcats and Stormwatch. That was the deep dive stuff I did. Anything that involved mm -hmm. IO and just their whole fingers in the entire Wildstorm universe. So. Mm. But uh, and speaking of more Wildstorm fun here, in time for the holidays, Grifter got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> uh, so this is their big holiday special here with you know 80 page giant. So lots of fun stories in here. Uh, of course, you know Grifter as well. Um, yeah, so very lighthearted, lots of fun. But you get some you know people like um, Animal Man has a story in here. Uh, Frankenstein has a story. Uh, the team up you never thought you wanted but need now, Black Canary and Constantine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's a, Why not? <laughs> their story is my what probably my favorite in here. I thought the Grifter oh. story was going to be my favorite, and but the 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 Canary Constantine stories beforehand. Grifter's at the end of the book. And I'm a huge uh, Constantine fan. I'm a huge Constantine fan. Yeah. Basically, there's some sort of curse that's put on the world where basically everybody. When we openly communicate, all we can say is the word dark side. And oh, wow. it's up to the two of them to basically, you know, uh, you know, break the curse, essentially. Oh, wow. so, that is cool. Uh, and that also from cool. some weird stuff, too, Superman and Batman are the lead story, have a team up, and they get to fight Mr. Negative. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, a Doom Patrol villain pops up. And he's fighting the A class. <laughs> that is interesting. That now that yeah. is interesting. Like I said, it's like it, it took me by surprise. Like this is a cool kind of compilation here. They they put in some. Oh, I dig it. I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah. Oh yeah, Clint's oh, also a dear detective saying that you know he hit a message in there. So yeah. Yeah, so, I will yeah. Go find it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will find it. We know a good place we can find it too, but if you're in the area. <laughs> um, and lastly, from uh, DC here, Jeff Johns has brought us back the Justice Society of America. Oh, wow. Um, and this is kind of a neat story here because 
Uh, we're following Helena Wayne as the lead character in this. We start in the future where she is a member of the kind of the future version of the Justice Society, running around kind of, you know, half cat, half bats, sort of thing like that. Um, Bruce is dead. Selena's still alive, sort of thing like that. Uh, but there's somebody who's uh, apparently have some time manipulation abilities, hopping around, taking out Justice Society members from different eras uh, hmm. and doing it in some kind of, if you if you thought you've seen people killed in interesting ways with time travel, wait till you see this. Oh, I saw that guy in the New Golden Age, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like a prequel for it, wasn't that. it? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, the, the gold, the New Golden Age was the one shot, and then the Justice right. Society uh, spun off from it. So, oh, that's so, interesting. I enjoyed yeah, that so, New Golden Age. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. So this is an intriguing start to the new series. There. So I'm I'm, I'm in for it. A good mystery. I like a good mystery anyway. So uh, over at Marvel, one I definitely have to talk about here because I'm a big Avengers fan. I've been waiting for this to come out here. So this is the culmination of Jason Aaron's run on Avengers here. And we're let me get this gatefold thing out here because this guy's. There we go. There's a whole lot of Avengers on this thing here. So this is, of course, the alpha issue starting off the Avengers Assemble storyline, which basically pits the assembled multiversal Avengers, including the 1 million BC Avengers, the current day, and then Avengers throughout the multiverse, kind of different variations on guys. You know, is that, that Brian we, Hitch on the cover? Yeah, oh, yeah, this is Hitch. And Hitch oh, also does all the art uh, in the book, too. So, See? Dude, my wife is going to be upset with you with the money I'm about to spend tomorrow. <laughs> well, you don't want to see the variant cover that J. Scott Campbell did for this one here. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Is- I had to pick. I, I couldn't stop. I could not pick this one up. So yeah, that's hot. Yeah. Anywho, so uh, yeah. So this, of course, like we've been building to this. You know, the kind of assembly. We've been assembling our multiversal Avengers for several issues now. Jason's run. So this is now the big show here. So, uh, yeah, lots of lots of awesome Avengers uh, action in there. I don't want to give away too much. There's some big stuff here. Uh, lastly, a couple of indies here. Um, basically, a triple shot from Boom. Because let me tell you, Boom is an imprint has been killing it. Uh, they're, I mean, just they got hit books out right now with something is killing the children. Yes. Berserker. Yeah. Um, you know. House of Slaughter, all you know, the all the Power Rangers stuff that's out. Mm-hmm. And they got like what four, three or four Power Rangers books. Mm-hmm. So all that's being well received. But their horror stuff has been really good too. Um, this book here, The Approach. This is a really cool cover here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. This uh, this is issue two. I didn't get a chance to talk about issue one because I was a little late to the punch on issue one. I picked it up a couple of weeks later and read it and fell in love with this thing. So. Uh, this is, um, oh, shoot here. Uh, Jeremy Hahn and Jason Hurley are the writers. Jesus uh, Hervas and Leah Cabello uh, are the illustrators on here. So I'm not oh, familiar wow. too much. Uh, but I know Jeremy Hahn is a writer. But uh, this is essentially kind of That's like, the, this is like the thing if it was took place in an airport. Oh, Wow. Uh, because basically you've got a small airport that is getting overrun by a snowstorm. Uh, they have to take in a jetliner, you know, like a whole airliner full of people that they're not quite ready for. Uh, the people are like on their way to Florida. So they're not even dressed for winter weather. So 
They're all bundling up in the airport here. Well, then a second small plane comes in, and that's where the trouble comes in. It's from this mm -hmm. secondary plane that apparently has been lost for 20 years and just so happens to show up in this storm at this point. And the thing on board isn't quite human. Oh, wow. That's yeah. That sounds and, like Yeah. That yeah. sounds movie so worthy. Yeah. So you've got this like ragtag group of like security people, janitors, whatever else that are basically trying to stop this creature from killing everybody else there. And we've got a bunch of like innocent passengers. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds, but, that sounds movie worthy. Yeah. I, we, I we, need, we need a good thing remake. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I don't normally do this on the show because usually I'm very positive about my reviews, but on occasion, I get a book and something kind of bugs me. And so I got to pass along the info just for that. So I was really into the first issue of this book, but the second issue bombed for me here. So mm. this is Christopher Cantwell and uh, Jermaine Garcia doing Briar. This is a uh, kind of a, a adult retelling of Sleeping Beauty but it's more of the story than we actually got. It kind of continues the story even further. Mm -hmm. um, the art is beautiful. So I, I will still say Jermaine Garcia's mm -hmm. art is still gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Absolutely absolutely love this stuff. But due to the fact we're kind of like trying to reinvent, retell the story, do some different things with it, the plot got extremely convoluted and made this a really boring read. Mm which is unfortunate. I mean, just, I, I just got lost in it. And I'm like, come on guys. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I just, I was very, very disappointed with it. it I, I will possibly give the third issue a chance, but it's almost like it almost killed the book for me. Right. So, right. and I was really into that. Oh, wow. And that's uh, your harsh review. That's I have one more. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I, harsh. Really? <laughs> You're I, kind, I George. <laughs> I am kind because I'm at least sensitive to the, the, the artists and the people who crafted this thing mm -hmm. and they worked on it. But it's like, I'm going to just like, look, I just, you know, that, that's just my take out there. I just really didn't care for I'll, it. I'll I'll this this. Review any day of the week, George. I, you know, yeah, I, I'm just <laughs> sensitive. That I'm not going to sit there and just crap all over somebody's art. Well, I get it. Just, you know, <laughs> that's that's right. Right. <laughs> I, I, that's rude. I'm sensitive to that stuff. So, uh, last but not least, though, uh, damn them all. Second issue of this: Simon Spurrier, Charlie Adler. Which, again, I'm excited to see Charlie back on a book since Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still with this book, but again, for a second issue, this was a dud compared to the first issue. First issue was great, opened you up to this new world of kind of like. Um, a little bit of like magic users, a little bit of demonology, but kind of a different take on things. Uh, apparently, uh, somebody is kind of like summoning or collecting demons in a way that's uncomfortable to the demons. So now they're essentially coming to, you know, the kind of demonologists, demon hunters, whatever else for help mm. in a certain way. Um but there's also still some like strange workings going on in the human world as well. So we get introduced to uh, this character right here. She's a cop and just very much thrown into this magic world here. Uh, and also interesting too, because most of everything takes place in London and she is from New Orleans. Oh, wow. So, That's but, yeah. Yeah. She gets through, she gets thrown into a different world, but like I said, it, it was a little, I'm still with the book, mm -hmm. but 
it was a little slow. And that first issue, man, just kicked butt. So mm -hmm. I was, I'm like, come on. Okay. So, okay. Oh, hang on here. <laughs> George Magus Jr. is going to hear said, been a long time since I've heard, let alone enjoyed such intense and interesting geek gushing and comic speak, but solo never disappoints. Hey, George. <laughs> hey, my brain. George is, man, he's a longtime friend. George actually uh, really introduced me to the whole comic book convention thing. You know what I mean? Judge oh. was he's he's the one that 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 broke the ice when I was a young, a young man back in the day. All right. <laughs> George. Nice. And see, so thank you, George, because had you not got solo into this, then we wouldn't have met at E-Town Con. And there you go. <laughs> so I appreciate that. All right. So that's all I've got for my new books for the week there. So yeah, like I said my harsh reviews aren't all that harsh, uh, except well, Batman Fortress, the first issue of that. That's probably like the harshest review I ever gave on a book, just because the guy who was writing it made Batman sound like a grumpy old white man who didn't like, you know, he, he didn't like them kids on his lawn and the the people riding in the streets. It just, eh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was just. Yeah. It literally was written by somebody who I think has never read a Batman book in their life because it was like, this is, it was, <laughs> the art was great. The, uh, I can't even remember who did the art, but anyway, it was only like a six issue miniseries. But mm. ugh, yeah. It was just, I, I, I just really, yeah, that, that one, that one triggered me. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. it's like literally like there's like, there's a riot going on and people are looting or whatnot. And as Batman's doing a flyover, we're getting, the opinion of probably like a 60 year old white guy, mm -hmm. you know, on what his opinion of looting is and sort of thing like that. I'm like, mm -hmm. mm, yeah, uh -uh, uh -uh. no, thank you. No, thank you. All right. So. Outstanding. <laughs> All right. Take a break for just a second here to acknowledge our sponsor comic books for kids. We come back where it's all, it's the solo show here. <laughs> All right. So we'll be right back. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit cb4k.org. All right, we're back here. Yeah, love comic books for kids. And That's an amazing cause. That's an amazing cause. I'm definitely yeah. going to get behind that. Yeah, and of course, you know, if you uh, even want to do things on a local level just to get interesting kids in comic books, uh, do what I do is donate comic books to local uh, little libraries. You, know, you see those in town with, they're in neighborhoods, just, you know, kids can go and, take a book, leave a book sort of thing like that. Well, hmm. I usually leave a thick stack of uh, books about once a month. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah. I, I, I got I to give a uh, cartoonist kayfabe uh, credit for that one. Cause they do a yearly uh, drive for all their viewers to go. Well, usually they do it in the summer when kids are out of school and whatnot, mm -hmm. but they do a drive where basically like, you know, go and dump comics and trades and whatever else. And these little libraries so kids get access to comics. Yeah. And so, yeah. All right. So, like I said, it's the solo show here. So, uh, like I said, at the top of the show, you are an artist, you're an animator, an educator. Uh, so, let's go to your origin story here because <laughs> you've got a very uh, impressive beginning of your career as to where you started. 
Okay. Well, um, you're talking artistically speaking, artistically yes. speaking. Um, yeah, I started, um, when I came back home from the military, uh, after serving in the military, uh, and, um, I got a chance to intern. It was, it was nepotism at work. Um, <laughs> the, the founder of, uh, a local animation studio, um, a, a bunch of them had left Hanna-Barbera after, I think he was there for like 12 or 15 years. Right. And he came back to Chicago and started his own animation studio, Star Tunes. And um, when I got out of the military, I was, you know, kind of floundering a little bit. And he was like, hey, you know, he kind of remembered my mom because he and my mom went to high school together. And um, he remembered that I was two or three years old and they used to have Bible study. And I was always in the corner drawing, mm-hmm. you know, at that age. And um, when he found out I was coming home, he was like, you know, have, you know, have him come over to the studio. And they took me in as an intern. And so in between sharpening pencils and making sure all the animators had fresh stacks of uh, pegged paper, pegged whole paper, mm-hmm. I was uh, allowed to work on in-betweens and, you know, got some master classes from legends, both in comics and as well as uh, animation. And I got a chance to uh, do some strokes on Batman the Animated Series, uh, the episodes that we worked on. We won, I think we won two or three daytime Emmys for the episodes yeah. we worked on as a mm-hmm. studio uh batman the animated series uh animaniacs me personally i got to do some 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 scribbling on pinky in the brain you know in addition oh. to batman and so um yeah that was that was that was my 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 foray into into this journey that was my entry into this journey and that's an amazing entry point right there i mean just to be able to work on those shows and to learn from experienced animators uh so yeah that's that's yeah. amazing yeah yeah, yeah i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i met my mentor there who was a comic book uh a legend um his name was doug rice and i don't know if you remember um the predecessor to image before image there was another group of mainstream artists that attempted what image did successfully called first comics yep. do you remember first comics back in the day I do. and he was one I, of the I, I, I've actually I've still got some uh, Dreadstar. I've got some John Sable mm-hmm. stuff. So I've got a few first books still. Yeah, he was he he was one of the guys that that uh, started first comics, and uh, he became my mentor at the studio, and um, he really really opened my eyes into how the comic book world worked because I was natively an animation kid, you know, yeah. even though I had comic books and I read them. Uh, my life's ambition was always making things move and come to life. Um, and he kind of took me on his wings and showed me, you know, behind the veil of the comic book world. And I've been, been hooked ever since. Nice. Oh, I, I got to drop in this cl- comment here from Clinton asking him the eternal question. What are we going to do tonight? Thank you. <laughs> we do every night. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I mean, I know you didn't work on this show, but um, of course, I love that whole kind of 90s Warner Brothers resurgence because unlike a lot of kids who grew up Disney kids, I grew up a Bugs Bunny and Warner Brothers kid. So all the that whole you know gang of you know Looney Tunes, Warner Brothers, you know, animation, that was all my childhood. So kind of getting that revived and getting some new life breathed into it with mm-hmm. the Tiny Toon Adventures, then Animaniacs and their spinoffs, yeah. and then Probably my favorite animated show, which is quite unsung, is Freakazoid. Oh, Freakazoid uh, was amazing. 
Amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. The closest thing we're ever going to get to a Mike Allred Madman show ever, I think. Ever. ever. So, yeah. yeah. People, people sneeze think... on Freakazoid. Freakazoid was, was a classic. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, especially too, is like if, you know, I grew up a Weird Al fan. And so there's a big, there should be a correlation between Weird Al fans and Freakazoid fans because <laughs> it's so much of a parody of a lot of, superhero tropes and cop shows and mm -hmm. whatever else so yeah just and also apparently the only uh uh animated series or even television series to ever uh include the voice of jack valenti mm -hmm. talking about his cheeks yeah <laughs> there you go i love Bro. it i love it all right so of course moving on from you know being an animation where did you go next from there Okay, well, it was kind of touch and go um, because while I was an intern, I wasn't getting paid. Right. Um, and I was literally, you know, I was actually talking to uh, a young man today. Um, I was going to vet a potential venue for our for the convention that we're planning. Oh, um, nice. Comic-Con that we're planning for our school, our first ever. Um, and so we were driving back and uh, I was just, I was very desperate to learn. You know what I mean? And so I remember we didn't have a car back then. Um, the studio was in the Chicago suburb. I'm in the city. And I remember having to take, it would take me two and a half hours to get there. You know what I mean? By bus, you, you know, uh, and I was doing it in the winter. And, but uh, you know, I had, I had three kids and one on the way. So I needed a check. And so from right. there, Chicago police department was hiring, you know, and that's how I got into law enforcement. <laughs> So, that, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that had to be an adventure as well. So it was, it was a lot of stories, um, a lot of stories. Um, uh, it really, you know, I, I tell my students, you know, story is the principal thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get away with, um, you can have a, a groundbreaking hit with mediocre art and good story, but you will have an absolute failure with great art and a broken story. Yep. You know what I mean? And so story is the principal thing. And one of the things that I really appreciate, aside from the horror stories, you know, and, you know, I often tell people those who tell war stories have never been to war. Yep. You know, most men that have been to war don't tell the stories. Uh, but when, but as a creative, as a creative, as a potential creative at the time, um, just learning human nature, you know what I mean? And actually listening. Like I, I was one of those cops you know, I was never really quick to try to rush and get on to the next one. I wanted to hear right. what people had to say and tell me, you know, sure. how, you know what happened here? You, you know what I mean? Tell yeah. me your side. And it was always fascinating to me. And so bringing, being able now to be on this side of the creative uh, ecosphere, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm bringing a lot of that, you know, to the classroom and to my own projects. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it, you have to bring, you know, your own real world experience. You have to bring life into your stories or yeah, you said it just, it does fall flat. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to kind of fill everything. I can't just be, you know, just a conflict or just a journey or whatever else. There's has to be a lot more to it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's, the, it's the argument I always bring up with people always, you know, uh, want to, you know, crap on uh, Lord of the Rings and like, mm -hmm. why couldn't, you know, when they, the Eagles just fly them all the way to the mountain. Because they, you got to tell this story here. Maybe the they story. only had to go this way, you know, further. If they got even closer, they couldn't. Whatever the case may be, right. it's like, right. come on, it's an epic movie. You can't, 
<laughs> don't short the story, man. Don't short the story. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's and that's the that's to me that's the testament. Like you mentioned, Lord of the Rings, which I've seen each one maybe three or four times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, simply because of the masterful story execution, the narrative execution, you know, yeah. and all the subplots. Um, yeah, story's everything, man. Story's king. Yeah, you're right. I mean, because even you know, as a reader, uh, you know, I can forgive art that I'm not a fan of, or maybe I have like a little bit of problem with some of it. Mm-hmm. But if the story is still compelling, I'm right there with it. But absolutely, yeah. But like you said, even the, even the best art, if it like you know, I just proved there with the, right. the Briar book, beautiful art, story lost me. Story's broken, you know. And, I, yeah. I, and the funny thing is, you know, we, but we have some really incredible. Um, I think we have better storytellers than possibly we've ever had. Uh, I would agree. Uh, currently in the marketplace, it's a double-edged sword. There's also a lot of really bad stories. Like I didn't realize it was this many bad stories out there that yeah. are just foundationally broken from a, uh, a story structure standpoint. And so when I started my school, you know, uh, because I'm I'm kind of a unicorn. I'm actually a writer who can draw, okay. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Writing is a passion of mine. Always has been. It's, it's what yeah. when I wasn't drawing, I was creating stories for the. You know, yeah. when I would take years and not pick up a pencil because I didn't have to, I was always coming up with stories and reading. I was an avid reader as a kid. I mean, what twelve year old reads the original, um, the original version of Bram Stoker's Dracula and Mary Shelley's sure. Frankenstein in the old English? You know what I mean? I didn't. I don't. I want. You know, I read them all. You know, from cover to nice. cover. That's that's how how much I love a really good story, and so now uh, when I started my school, I'm like, well, what's going to separate us from other similar schools? Because everyone, you know, oh, we're going to teach you how to draw, and I'm like, ah, can't you really can't promise that, right? We can teach you the foundations, we can teach you, you know, I can teach you anatomy, I can teach you perspective, I can teach you color theory. That's the science, right? That's the technical stuff, but how good of a draftsman? How 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 good of a craftsman you become, that's how much time you spend with it. That's how much right. passion you invest in it. And that we can't quantify, right? You have to decide that for yourself. But what we can do is teach you how to tell an effective story, you know, because that's a much, believe it or not, that's a very attainable bar if you mm-hmm. know and 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 reference store great stories from the past. You know, so our school, we emphasize effective storytelling. What most people don't realize is that some of the most, some of the best comics that we've even read, we're just talking comics. They, the artwork, one of my favorite, one of my favorite, Astro City, right? There you go. Brett Anderson. Mm -hmm. Not too many people are trying to draw like him, right? You dig what I'm saying? Alex Ross covers, that's what gets you to the book. I remember for ye- for years I didn't I wouldn't touch it because I just opened it up I was like ew, right? And then yeah. my editor in my studio Warren, who is a well versed writer and whose advice I always heed because he knows me inside and out after twenty five years at the hip, mm-hmm. he's like solo, read it, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, and I read it and I was hooked and I'm like. Yeah. And I believe that was by design. I believe Ben has designed it that way. He was yeah. like, he was strong enough to what, what what an artist does is we help move the story, but we cannot replace it, right? We are a vehicle with which the story sits in, just like driving a car, 
right? Yeah. And guess what? You can get a beater to your destination. And that's the truth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You can get a beater to your destination as long as you have a really effective route, right? And yeah. it, the story is the route. It's the path. It's, 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 it's all the substance. And when I read it, that's when I, I like, this is, this is brilliant. You know, this was absolutely the same thing for like powers. I wasn't, you know, a huge fan of the artwork. Right. Warren says, solo, read it. (laughs) And I read it and I bought all of them every compiler. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's story, man, hands down. And you know, I'm an artist, you know, so. Absolutely. I mean, of course, you know, the thing I love too is when, you know, I read a pitch or I'm delivering a pitch, you know, uh, about a book or something like that. It's like, all right, you know, check out this book here. It's, you know, here's the, you know, like when, when I gave you the, the, the pitch for the approach, mm-hmm. you're like, this needs to be a movie. I'm like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I read that first issue. I'm like this needs to be, of course, uh, the, the streaming services are picking up stuff left and right. Oh, I know cool. like ID, like IDW just announced that like six of their books got picked mm-hmm. up for, Various streaming services. The big one would be Dark Space's Wildfire, which is mm-hmm. Scott Snyder's book. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, that's yeah. I think Amazon announced they picked that one up. But then, mm-hmm. like, you know, Eight Billion Genies has got something coming out. Something is Killing the Children's got something coming out. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's indie books are getting made. Our uh, uh, Night of the Ghoul uh, is going to be made a movie from mm-hmm. Warner Brothers. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's a farming a- system, and and that and that's and 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 Hollywood has done this forever. Right. Yep. Let's just be honest. It's been most people don't realize Road to Perdition was a, a comic with Tom right. Hanks, and that was a great movie. You know what I mean? I remember at one of my one of the cons uh, years ago. We're sitting there at Chicago, and this gentleman walks up. I, I'm bad with names, so you probably know who it is, who the creators are. Um, and he's wearing shades, black suit, white shirt, black tie, and he say, "Hey, can I sit down with you guys?" And we start sitting down, and it was the creator of Men in Black, you know, and this oh, is when yeah. the movie had just come out and he sat down at our table and just started, you know, chewing the fat. Like, you know what I'm saying? And he was like, dude, you, he, he's like, you, I would have never, you could have never told me this, this was going to happen, you know? And I hadn't even heard of it as a comic book. I just knew the movie was coming out, you, you, yeah. you know? And so yeah, it, was a little, it was a Malibu that put it out originally, I think. Yeah, so. absolutely. And so it's, yeah. it, it's now it, it's kind of part, par for the course now. Right. Um, and and if you're creative, it, it should be an exciting time because there's there's more avenues to get your your project into the marketplace. Uh, sans the gatekeepers. Right. Sans the gatekeepers. Now, as I always say, as I teach my students, it's a double edged sword. Right. Um, and I hate to sound like the old guy, but oftentimes now I am. <laughs> so back in the day, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> back in the day, uh, I often tell my students, you know, when I first started doing conventions and uh, like me and George Mackis, you know, were setting up uh, when I got my first break, my first job offer was to work on um, Superman. Mm-hmm. And I declined. That's another story for another day. Sure. Um, but anyway, it was to work on Superman. But uh, back in the day, I often tell people, especially after, you know, since I launched the school, I hadn't been in cons in almost 20 years, right? Because I kind of shuttered my studio temporarily, focused on law enforcement, finished that career, opened the school. Now I'm back into the 
in the, in the arena. I'm casting my hat back into the arena after almost 20 years away. Mm-hmm. And things have changed. You know, back when I was tabling, you know, um, back then, the late 90s, early 2000s, back when Marvel and DC were at the major cons with their big booze and their portfolio reviews and the lines wrapped around for every hopeful artist and creator trying to break in. You know, this is mm-hmm. me and John Boy and Jay and that whole We were all young, spry guys trying to break in. Hey, Solo, let's go over here. Hey, John Boy, they're looking for somebody. You know what I mean? This is right, how yeah. we are, right? And yeah. so, but back then, it wasn't cool to be an indie guy. This was pre-social mm-hmm. media. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the, the the indies and artists alley were either one of one of two kinds. Either they were um, ex-mainstream guys who went off and did their own thing and had a following, or there were guys that just didn't have what was considered a a qualifying skill set to break through to the big two, right. which eventually came to big three. But being an indie, you know, was kind of not, you know, wasn't the cool thing, right? Right. But now with social media and the advent uh, of social media and the uh, the execution of the gatekeepers, democratizing the marketplace which is a great thing right where you can go straight to consumer with your idea you know and get the approval of public opinion just via eyes and followers right right that's a beautiful thing but there's a flip side the flip side is back in back then there was you had to be this tall to ride this ride yeah you know what i mean and that really was it was a standard of execution for anatomy storytelling perspective you know what i mean um now anyone with a following is putting out a book and i've seen i I went to one of the first cons i did out the gate george it was hilarious and there's a lesson here i teach my students even if it's bad finish it right figure out why it's broken just don't say Mm -hmm. "Ooh, this sucks i'm not reading anymore right yeah this gentleman, he had a nice booth and he had the lights and he had the metal covers and the posters and the prints and the variants and he had five issues. And I and I met him and he was a, he was a local guy and uh, he told me big, big sign that says made for streaming, you know, made for yeah. the big screen. I'm like, okay, maybe he, you know, I'm, I'm really big into marketing and sales machines. Mm-hmm. I, I was impressed, you know. And he's like, yeah, we got five issues. And I'm like, well, I'm not buying a metal cover because those are a hundred bucks. I'm like, go yeah. ahead and give me your, I'll, I'll take your first five issues. And I bought them, right? Because I wanted yeah. to support. Mm. I read them, <laughs> right? And <laughs> I read them. And what was funny was, it wasn't the fact that I read them. It was yeah. the last day of the convention. He came over to my table to oh. see if I had read them. And as you walked up, I was finishing issue four. Okay. So it was like, whew, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I started walking around the con and I was just, I just saw more and more of the same. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, did something happen while I was asleep, Rumpelstiltskin? You know what? You know, seriously, you know, yeah. like just, just the names of the guys that when we, I call ourselves the artist alley cats. You know, they're all now 25 plus year, 10 year respected pros. And we were mm-hmm. all just trying to break in together. You know what I mean? I'm like, what, what happened to those guys? You, yeah. you, you, you know, what happened to those guys? 
And while I was gone, my eldest son, he said something to me that was very, that I had to explain to him because I don't do flattery for flattery's sake. It sounds good, but to me, I always tried to figure out what is actually being communicated, right? right. Beyond the words, right? What's the intent beyond the words? And he said, dad, while you're gone, two older guys came by here, man, and they saw your portfolio and they're like, who's this? Is you the artist? My son like, no, that's my father. He's like, and they started flipping. It's like, he's probably the best artist here. Now that wow. sounds good. That sounds good on the surface, right? Mm -hmm. It sounds great on the surface. And I, and I said, son, how old did they look? He said, they look about your age. I said, you know what they were saying in shorthand? He's like, what? He's like, he's got most of the boxes checked. Mm -hmm. That's what that meant. Right. Yeah. Because when you hold it in comparison to a lot of the stuff that's going on, like the young man who who I bought the five books from the first mm -hmm. morning sound was I said, what's the story about? And he goes into this long narrative. I said, no, man, give me give me the log line. And he froze. Like, you can't tell me what your story is in three to five sentences, yeah. you know, and I was like, that was sign number one, you, you, you know. And so I told my son that I said, no, I said, I know that sounds flattering. I said, but these are guys that come from a different era. Right. You, you know what I mean? We're back then when we look at the artists and the writers that we esteem today, they had so many boxes checked on mm -hmm. execution. You know, the John Burns and the George Perez's and the Neil Adams and, you know, the Carlos Pacheco's, you know, all of them gone too soon. You know what I mean? But they had so many boxes checked that right. you really couldn't find a damning flaw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you had to have those things checked to get in. You had to have them covered. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I remember I share with my students, and I'm about to stop, but it's I, I remember when I was working in Kentucky, this is when I met Jay, and I was working at a at a um I was doing security at a hospital, nighttime okay. at the hospital, trying to make ends meet. And this is actually before I came back home with the with the um animation studio. I was floundering. I was lost. And I had gone to the comic book store, did a little retail therapy because all I could afford was one book. And I bought um, Valiant Comics, Solar Man of the Atom. Right. Okay. And the cover yep. was by Barry Windsor Smith. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know who this guy was. But I just loved his work. You know what oh. I mean? And I'm sitting on my post in the basement. It's after hours. It's the offices of the hospital. No one's supposed to be there. Okay. And so I'm thinking it's going to be an easy night. So I went to one of the offices and I swiped several pieces of, back then it was typing paper or mm -hmm. processor paper, <laughs> age alert, right? <laughs> I was printer paper. Yep, I, I, know <laughs> I, I grabbed a couple of pieces and I just started drawing what I saw, right? Yeah. Trying to, you know, and I, I'm into it. I mean, I'm in the flow and all here is, <clears throat> and I look and this is portly short gentleman. Looking up at me with his glasses, with a hospital badge, and I just knew I was fired. You know what I mean? Uh -oh. I just knew I was fired. I was like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, what are you doing there? I was like, oh, nothing. So like, let me see. And he was really like, so I kind of handed it to him. And he said, mm -hmm. hmm. He gave it back to him, and he walked away in silence. I just started packing my stuff. I'm like, okay. Right, yeah. Got to tell the missus I lost this job. <laughs> right? Yeah. He comes back. And he hands me a card. I actually have it here, um, just a few feet away. And he says, here, call this guy. And I look, and it is um, it is Exo Man of War. 
on the card. I have the card right here if you want to see it. Uh-huh. Right? It's Exo Man of War. And <laughs> the name of, of it is Kevin Van Hook, the editor-in-chief <laughs> of Valiant. And I look at the dude's name tag, Bill Van Hook, his brother. I kid you not. Oh <laughs> I kid God. you not. He's dude. like, he's like, this is my brother. Give him a call. Well, I knew nothing about comics. I didn't know how they were made. And at the time, Joe Casada was still working there. It was actually Joe Casada's Exo Man of War on the card. Right? Okay. And that's when Joe Casada was just another lowly artist, like the rest of sure. us. Sure. And so I immediately started scrambling to all the comic book stores and like. And it's funny because guys that ran comic book stores, I, you would think that they would be the experts. They knew nothing. Hey, Jim, uh, don't they draw some big paper? You know what size it? Oh, Tommy, I think. And this is Kentucky, where y'all are. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think it's 11 by 17. And I'm like, what? So <laughs> I go to some paper store and I get this glossy, sheen, flimsy. Uh, can you just cut this into 11 by 17? Yeah, and so I, I I made up a little short story. Mind you, I'm a writer with Ninjack, and I just tried my best. I didn't know proportions, I didn't know reduction sizes, none of that stuff. And it sat there for over a year. Now we moved back home to Chicago. I'm at the animation studio. We're broke. We're on public aid, and my wife always made sure I had a section to draw. Right, right. I had my same drafting table was behind me. It's the same one I had since I was 16 that my parents bought me for Christmas. Right, oh, awesome. and so. Um, I had the drafting table in the corner. We had a little studio apartment. Literally, you take two steps, you're in the bedroom, right? Mm-hmm. You know, take another step to the left, you're in the living room. Right. <laughs> you know, it was that small. Okay. And I look on, I look on it, and the pages are gone. She sent them back then. It was snail mail, and I was livid. Oh. I was livid. Fast forward a few weeks, snail mail comes back. There's a letter, Valiant Comics, in the mail. He hand typed and critiqued every page. Wow. What I needed to do, I still have it. I still have it. I share it with my students when we're in class, but just showing how the the impact of having that's how the guys were wired back then. He saw a little mm. bit of something. You dig what I'm saying? Lord knows I didn't have a lot to give, you know, at, yeah. that, at that stage, but he saw something, you know. And now, you know, he's Hollywood. You know, Kevin Van Hook's been Hollywood for a while. Yeah. You know? um, but he took time out and he critiqued every page. This big time editor in chief. You That's know, awesome. and then told me that I had a lot of potential. Keep up the good work. I hope to see you in the industry someday. You know, and so it's, it's those kind of things that kind of inspired me to do Kapow. You know how that made me feel. Right. So, sorry about the long narrative, but no, I, mean, I, I, I love that story. Because <laughs> I, I, I got the opportunity to interview Jim Shooter, and I mean, he himself began his career with a very similar opportunity when he was what fourteen years old. Mm-hmm. When he submitted his first stuff, and then he's done the same thing with basically you know young writers or whatever else you know send him stuff, and he actually critiques it and you know lets them know what they think. And if you know so if he's yeah. running a company and they're good enough, then you end up hiring him. But <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's just a beautiful thing that you know you know someone you know did that for you, and then of course you kind of give back with basically doing the art academy here, which I'm absolutely. Yeah, we'll bring up the kapowschool.com. So, of course, you can get on there, find out more information about it. You can enroll. Uh, and, yeah, you can learn from Solo himself here. So, and, and since we're doing a smaller picture here, uh, <laughs> there we go. See, there, there's the piece I bought from you there. Uh, there's oh, John Stewart. Here at the bottom. So, yeah. <laughs> Three yeah, marks, John, absolutely. 
Yeah, John's my favorite Green Lantern, so. And I, I get flack for that one, too. It's like, why don't you like, you know, Hal? Why don't you like this one? It's like, dude, John is the most disciplined. He uh, is. And before we got to Kyle, he was the most creative he of was. the Lantern because, you know, he was military, so he knew how pieces of parts work. He was an architect. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, he kind of blew up a planet. Right. Haven't we all? Yeah. I mean, come on. You killed, Hal killed the entire core. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> so how's how, right. a lot worse? Yeah, so, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, I, was, wasn't there one? Wasn't there one uh, issue where I think it was Hal Jordan kind of described for the or the writer described for the reader what it is John does that no other Green Lantern does? It's like he actually builds his constructs piece by yeah. piece. You yeah. know what I mean? So when you understand how he builds his constructs, he's probably one of the greatest Green Lanterns ever. You know, yeah. I'm like. That was that, I, I can't remember what book I read that in, but it, it blew my mind. That's when I was I became a John Stewart fan. I wonder if that was that because that was that wasn't too long ago. It wasn't so I, wonder long. If that was, I wonder if that was either like during the War of the Lanterns or or somewhere you know somewhere either the Jeff Johns run or somewhere a little bit later on. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I know the part you're talking about. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. just the coolest thing. You know, I thought that yeah. was the coolest thing. And the only way to beat him yeah. is with an artist, pure creature. Yeah. Cal Rainer. That's the only way to, to outdo that. You got to have somebody with a hell of an so imagination. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we got a lot of you know new lanterns popping up too, yeah. like you know Joe Mullen from uh, the Far Sector book. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, she's cool because she's basically a cop. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And then uh, uh, even though was it Jessica? Um, oh, Jessica Cruz. Yeah, Jessica Cruz. Yeah, she's a cop too. So yep. there you go. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah, you can't see, but all those books in the we can't see them. I have all these books in the back. Those are all Green Lanterns up there in the top. Oh wow! That's all <laughs> one of my favorite superheroes ever, and many of them are Kyle Rayner, Hal Jordan, and John Stewart. <laughs> nice. So yeah. So what are some of your other geek passions aside outside of comic books? There, what else are you into that uh, you know has has driven you you know even further? I've gotten I've gotten very heavy into. Um, into figurines and dioramas, right? Okay. Um, since I've stopped, no, I haven't stopped since I've really put the brakes on collecting comics. Uh, the focus, the emphasis has been on really fleshing out my space and mm-hmm. getting all types of action figures and, like I said, dioramas. I'm I'm not in sideshow money yet. I haven't made that kind of money yet. Sideshow, <sighs> yeah. it's it's kind of a it's kind of a a bucket list between them and uh, XM Studios, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I, I make do with you know uh, diamond and um, artifact statues and stuff like that. That's a passion right. of mine. Um, very heavily in, into fitness, you know. Okay, uh, cool. We, we actually own a gym. That's uh, we actually own a gym. Oh, that's, how, that's how I kind of really work out my. Believe it or not, that's where I think a lot of my ideas come. You know, I get up okay. at 4, 4.30 every morning. I'm in the gym by 5, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, I kind of let my my brain, and that's really when a lot of my ideas come. Um, yeah. And I'm an avid reader. I'm an avid reader. I consume probably about six, four to six nonfiction books a month. Okay. And that's in addition to whatever comic books catch my fancy. Uh, but gotcha. I'm an avid reader. Um, my wife says I'm a collector of books now. Uh, which has become problematic because I don't have a lot of space, but I do, <laughs> I, I do like a lot of um, many of my books are many of my books. If they're not self-help, they really are 
craft related, like the okay. art of books from movies. And um, so like I have, you know, every MCU movie art of, I've got Avatar, the last a animation. So I really like, I like process. And I'm getting back finally into playing video games. Okay. Know? And that's just, that's really a life is too short move. Cause I always yeah. say I'm going to, you know, reward myself by playing, but I always get too busy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, now video games are starting to work their way. Cause I was, you know, man, we're part of the, I'm part of the Sega Genesis generation, man. You know what I mean? And the Atari one, come on, man. Yeah. You know, my son, my son is, he's actually about to get into esports, but I'm okay. like, I was the first one to put a joystick in your hand, dude. You know, that's <laughs> just because I, you don't see me play all the time. I'm the original gamer geek, you know? And yeah. so now getting re reconnecting, you know, with that because of my grandchildren, you know, that mm -hmm. has been a passion. So me and my grandson and my granddaughter will sit down and we'll play, you know? Oh. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's good stuff, man. So, you know, it, be it beats chasing bad guys, believe it or not. Yeah. I, I bet. Cause I, I'm sure, you know, even in Chicago, it's like, uh, you know, not every uh, police uh, thing is like uh, something out of the Blues Brothers, you know, yeah. or wish. Yeah. Yeah. Wish. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice to have a 50 car, you know, pi you know chase and pile up where no yeah. one gets hurt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> People don't realize how terrifying those things are when you're in it. Oh, man. You know what I mean? So I can imagine. <laughs> oh, they look good on movies, though. They make for great cinematography. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, I'm not sure if you know if you uh, you know follow any sort of wrestling or not. But um, uh, there's a, a wrestler by the name of Mustafa Ali. I don't know what his real name is, but he claims that he was uh, a Chicago police officer before he got into wrestling. Really? Yeah. I, so I don't I, follow wrestling. I used to follow wrestling. Yeah. My wife's family. I don't know if it's a Kentucky thing. Like my brother-in-law is down in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Avid wrestling fans. Avid. Louisville has a very deep wrestling history um yeah. it i mean there's you know there were a couple different uh wrestling companies that ran from basically the late 20s up until like about the early 50s and then somebody bought them out and they kind of ran it to the ground so it didn't last very long and then basically we were kind of dead for about a decade and then memphis came up in like the about the mid 70s mm -hmm. and then you know definitely in the 80s and so memphis grabbed us as part of their territory mm. and so you get anybody of a certain age you talk about wrestling they're going to mention jerry lawler tojo yamamoto mm -hmm. you know you know those kind of guys okay yeah you know so yeah so definitely yeah if you you grew up in the louisville area southern indiana whatever else right across yeah. the bridge yeah you're you're probably a wrestling fan yeah, and you're serious you know, about the wrestling i just saw the documentary on um uh what's his name terry hart Teddy Hart, yeah. Teddy Hart, I just saw that documentary. Yeah, I never heard that story. I just, I, I literally just watched it the other day, like two days ago. And that—that's very tip of the iceberg kind of stuff with Teddy, because uh, he's a legend in his own mind. Mm -hmm. um, and and the the sad irony is, in the ring, he is every bit as talented as he says he is. They said he was probably the most talented of the Hart family. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he he's very technical. He could do a lot of high-flying stuff and make it look effortless. Uh, he's very neat and clean, so he's not very sloppy. But it's just he can't get past himself. And so yeah. you get a lot of ego. Um, you, as you saw in the documentary, he was the youngest hired by the WWE and also the youngest fired. fired. Yeah. He was completely uncoachable. And that's 
that's been the case. Like he he pops up in some indie federations from time to time, but it's whenever they work with him, they know like, well, we're getting somewhat of a name. We know he's be somewhat of a talent, but there's going to be a huge grain of salt we got to take with hiring him for this show. Wow. So bad. That's yeah. Not bad. Yeah. I saw but, it. I was like, what? You know, <laughs> I didn't know about all the cat stuff though. That was a revelation. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> and then the cat juggling disturbed me a little bit because I'm a I'm a cat father of three. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm like, yeah, that's I don't care how much they like you think they like that they don't like that. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Right. But then, yeah, I like the whole. I thought kind of the the, the murder thing kind of or the disappearance kind of came up like okay, it's like we're really trying to push this all into, yes, this guy did this and this, you know, maybe he didn't. Oh, okay. Well, he doesn't know, actually know anything about it. So it's like, it kind of fell apart at the end for me, but mm-hmm. you know, just, man, that, that, that guy's a piece of work. And so, yeah. yeah, it's interesting for people who are non-wrestling fans to kind of see like some of the characters who are in this business still right. to this day. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 that's incredible. That, that was incredible. I, I found that very interesting. I haven't been a follower for wrestling for a while. It's like, you know, I, I, I I have only so much bandwidth, I think, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, Because the way that I'm wired is, and it it drives my wife nuts. um, But it's one of my, my wife's, uh, she's a strengths coach for Gallup. And my, my number one, one of my number one strengths is learner. Right. And so whenever I take on a new interest, I get consumed by it. Uh Right. And so, and I, I seek mastery in the least amount of time possible. So like I okay. can massive case in point, like when we took up bowling years ago, mm-hmm. right. I'd never bowled, you know, we said, we're going to try a new bonding thing, you know, in our marriage, because we're kind of on the rocks and it was bowling and we joined a team and I'm so competitive and so all consuming. Let's just say within two months, I was averaging 200. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I was in there every day. You, you, you know what I mean? Every yeah. freaking day. You know, and I actually found in my, I was in my squawk. I never forget, I was patrolling. Uh, and we were just about to get off and we were riding down an alley in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I look and in the garbage, someone had set out, I guess they, they had moved. Someone set, set out two professional bowling balls that were my weight. Man, I dumped them. They just dumped them, man. I put them in the squad car. I went and had them redrilled. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they became my main balls. And it was like, I was wow. just, you know, I was like, I meant to do this, you know? And so, yeah, I get consumed. She's and she hates it. You know, my next four ways is golf. It's like, I'm like, baby, I got just, there's no way I'm letting you do golf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but babe, that's where, that's where deals happen. Golf is not about golf is about business. It's like, no, I know you're going to have to have every club, every video. You're going to take every course. You're going to buy every. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was her husband. That's how, that's how I'm wired. Yeah, so. so so basically, like, the Matrix would be, like, a perfect, you know, fantasy for you. You just download the skills into you and, like, I know Kung Fu now. Information, man. It's just. There it's, you go. Yeah. You know, I heard I, it. I heard I, it. I, I, I feel you. I've yeah. I've been a music fan probably longer than I've been a comic book fan. Mm-hmm. And I've always attempted to learn multiple instruments, but mm-hmm. I just don't have the patience for the time right. it takes for it. Right. So. Yeah, I totally get it. 
So I, yeah. I, as I, as I have gotten older, I, I've really learned to really dial in and see, okay, what's, you know, what can I live without? What's absolutely essential? You know, what can be a secondary interest, but when it still comes down to creating and drawing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that's, I'm going to die on that hill and I know it, you, you know, um, you know, I tell my students all the time because they see where I am, you know, in my skill set. And I tell them, you know, you don't understand. I, like, I have one student who's a transfer. I have a couple of students, but one in particular who's a transfer um, from a very prestigious art school. Um, and I, I told them, I said, listen, however good you think I am, right? Make no mistake. I spend the first hour and a half after I finish drawing my small warm-up sketches, the next hour, hour and a half is edu craft education. Yeah. And it's, I'm just going over I'd, a different book. I just had some books come in the other day. My wife, you know, she, she, she's like, you know, you're probably sleeping with the Amazon person. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I just had some books come in the other day and I'm like, Lord knows I don't need another anatomy. My anatomy strong, but yeah. I don't know what I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, sure. what, what, you know, if I get one nugget that helps elevate where I am, at least two more ticks, it was worth the 80, hundred bucks for that book. You know, that's, that's, that's how I'm built. And so right. um, I try to push that onto my students, you know, don't rest on the laurels of, you know, what you've done. You know, um, all of my instructors are very reputable artists that have beefier resumes than mine. You know, right. you know, unapologetically, I wouldn't have it any other way. But one thing we all have in common is that we are forever students. Yeah. Forever students. What pen is that? What brush? What you got? Oh my gosh, I got to try this technique. You, you know what I mean? What, what, what yeah. book was that? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's never good enough is never good enough. Actually, I'm actually designing a shirt I started on today um, that my instructor says, uh, I said, you know what? That's the artist curse. And I said, I'm gonna call it the artist curse. And he's like, what is it? He says, draw it, hate it, draw it again. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's really what we do. <laughs> draw it. We hate it. Draw it again. You, you know? And so, um, yeah, man, it's, 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 I'm gonna die on that hill. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's beautiful. That you, you know, still after all these years, still have that passion and then, yeah. you know, spread that on to your students and whatever else. And of course, if you want to know more, definitely check out kapowschool.com and be part of the Kapow Art Academy. Yes. Uh, you can learn more about it. You can enroll, learn from the man himself here. So, indeed, yeah. Uh, got a couple of comments. Got got to drop here. You appreciate this one from Clinton here. So says daughter just walked up and said, "Hey, that's the guy from the comic book store being moi, and that's the guy from the comic." Store. So. From the comic book. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Hey, we here. <laughs> I love and, that. And then when we were talking about the Teddy Hart documentary, yeah, Clinton said, can't fix crazy. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I told the guys cool. about that in the shop because I'm, I'm the wrestling fan of the of the uh, the shop. And so I told them, I was like, uh -huh. like y'all, I said, I know you guys don't watch wrestling, but y'all got to see this. Yeah. 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 No, it's like, crazy. yeah. That's it's always, you know, I, I always welcome anybody who's not a wrestling fan. It's like, go on Vice and check out Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, that's a great docuseries that kind of gives you like, like that here's some, that was on my list. Thank you for remi reminding me of that. Yes. Yeah. 
That's, I think there's like three seasons of that. And then the same producers have got a new show called Tales from the Territories, mm. which is they'll take each week like a different territory. Like you've had like Memphis and Portland and the Mid-Atlantic and the uh, uh, the Polynesian pro wrestling and all these territories. They basically get, get a round table of people who are involved with it and just mm-hmm. tell stories. Uh, so you yeah, so you get some great stories there. Actually, Memphis gets two episodes because – there's the episode talking about the territory itself. And then there's the episode talking about the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman feud, mm, mm. which it, it to me is still one of the greatest wrestling feuds of all time mm. um, and paved the way for celebrities being involved in wrestling. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause you know, Andy, when he originally wanted to do this stuff, cause he was kind of doing the gimmick of he would in his comedy shows and nightclubs when I, he would, uh, portray this gimmick as like the bad guy wrestler mm-hmm. and he would wrestle women and of course he would he had like a very minimal you know amateur wrestling training so it's like as long as he didn't get pinned on his back he was fine mm-hmm. uh but he would basically do it it's kind of you know it was a you know old school heel gimmick but it's also like you know you know oh he's degrading women so it's this whole act so like whether it was real whether it wasn't so mm-hmm. he tried to get involved with wwe uh, or WWF at the time, and uh, Vince McMahon Sr. laughed him out of the building. Said, mm. no, thank you. Oh, wow. uh, whereas somebody, I can't remember who it was, somebody, you know, clued in the, the Memphis guys, uh, Jerry Jarrett, and said, hey, you need to check out this Andy Kaufman guy, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So they caught him in a nightclub and saw his act and like, hey, would you like to come to Memphis and do this with us? And he's like, would I? Wow. And so... Andy's commitment to the gimmick to, of course, this was back in the day too, where they, you know, still kept to what they called kayfabe, which basically mm-hmm. you stayed in character 24 mm-hmm. seven. So the, the feud culminated to a point where basically uh, Andy Coffin had actually wrestled Jerry Lawler. Of course, you know, Jerry Lawler's a, you know, multiple time world champion and right. is actually a wrestler. So, you know, he had to get his comeuppance there. And so they do a move where Andy fakes getting a neck injury mm-hmm. and, sold it to the point where he paid for an ambulance to take him from the arena to the hospital, stayed in the hospital for a few days, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't hurt. Oh, wow. But, and then would keep doing interviews for almost a month wearing a neck brace. Wow. And then would, would force it basically anytime they would try to get him on there to talk about taxi or talk about whatever else, it would still force them to talk. I, about remember, what's I remember that. I do. Re- I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, and so people would be forced to talk about his whole wrestling stuff and be very confused as to why he's doing it. Mm. So, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, there's there's a ton of documentaries on the subject, but yeah, this it's fun to get the tales in the territory. You get some. I've you know known a lot about the subject myself, and I learned a couple of new things in that episode. Mm. So tales from the territory, uh, definitely on Yeah, but yeah, I there's, love, there's, I love yeah. documentaries. I love documentaries. I do too. I'm right there with you. <laughs> All right, we're gonna wrap up here because, good lord, we've been going an hour and fifteen minutes oh, here. Right, already? That's when you know you're having a good. Uh, having I don't a good know, time. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here well, and you. yeah, getting to learn and talk about it. And of course, I got to bring up this great logo here, Kapow the Art Academy here. Thank you. So, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you got to check that out here, folks. Like I said, go to kapowschool.com uh, to learn more information about that. And aside from uh, the school, is there anything else going on you like to plug? Uh, yeah, we are my studio, Honor Studios Entertainment. 
we are mm-hmm. we are making our return back to the marketplace after our nice. hiatus. And so um, if you're interested in uh, more information, check out honor3k.com. That's our Patreon. Uh, or go to honorstudios.com. We actually uh, did my first convention two weeks ago um, nice. for the studio. Uh, we have a tabletop game that's based off of our graphic novel, oh, cool. uh, War in Paradise. The game is called War in Paradise Insurrection. It's getting great reviews. Uh, nice. we're, we're in the prototyping phase now with uh, the miniatures and all that other stuff. But it was based off of our groundbreaking graphic novel that we released in 2004. Um, that once again, next time you have me, we'll talk about that. And it was cool. it was a success that I was not prepared for, and I use it as a cautionary tale. You know, interesting. When you don't it's expect some, when you don't expect people to like what you do, and they like it a lot, nice. how do you handle that? And I didn't handle it well. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. I that, that's a start for next time. Yeah, I'll definitely, you know, <laughs> I'll definitely compliment you on that because, yeah, of course, you had uh, well your portfolio with you there, and you had a lot of pages from War in Paradise. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's a beautiful book. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's like even it's like it's you know it's you know very much you know Christian based a lot of you know angels demons you know sort of yep. classic stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Of course, I mean, it, it, it makes sense though too that you kind of started getting back into drawing learning off of Barry Windsor Smith. And of course I grew up a Conan kid. And so mm. I know that name very well. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I can, yeah. I can see some relation here. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I like that here. Oh, hang on here. And Clint has to say, so you're an amazing person. It was awesome to hear your story. Thank you so, so much, brother Clinton. That blesses me. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Clinton's a mensch. We love, we all love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right, sir. Well, like I said, we've taken up enough of your time this evening. So thank you very much for being My on the pleasure. floor. And thank you. We will, we will see you next time. So I'm going to let you go here. <laughs> Take right. care. All right. And before we wrap up here, uh, of course, uh, the Back of the Cereal Box Network does have our multiverse fundraiser coming up next month here. Uh, so we got some promos for that and lots of exciting guests, lots of cool things happening for that. So we'll end this evening's episode with a promo for that one. But you guys take care and we will see you next time on the Fanatic Forum. Bye bye. The Multiverse Fundraiser is a virtual fandom jamboree and a charity fundraiser all rolled into one package. We're not just raising funds for a good cause. We're raising fun. Our 2023 events will be supporting the John Ritter Foundation for Aortic Health, which exists to spread awareness of aortic health and prevent unnecessary suffering through genetic research, widespread education, and radical advocacy. Our fundraiser combines celebrity panels, fandom-based panels, indie creators, and all of the fun of a virtual con for free. There's a little something for everyone while we support a cause close to our heart. Join us on January 20th through 22nd, along with celebrity guests Amy Yazbek, Jason Baer, Chris Gaucher, Victor Garber, William Catt, Cress Williams, Beth Broderick, Armin Shimmerman, Guy Gilchrist, Carrie Schaefer, Brian Hull, Amy Carrero, Jennifer Cody, and Joyce DeWitt.